According to the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate, CARA for short, out of Georgetown University, since 1970, there are about 20 more million Catholics in the United States than there were in 1970. This is more or less where the good news ends. In that time, 30 million people now identify as former Catholics. The percentage of people who go to Mass on a regular basis was about 50%, about 48, 50% in 1970. Today it's 23%. So while there are 20 more million Catholics in this country, 8 million fewer go to Mass each weekend. The median age for priests is about 68 years old, which means that half of the priests in this country are, seven, are about 70 years are older. When it comes to sacramental records, the number of marriages, the number of confirmations, the number of baptisms have declined precipitously. For every one of you students here at Mass, or who even comes through this door, there are seven or eight of your Catholic peers on this campus who will never step foot on this church. Yesterday, I attended my cousin's confirmation in Cincinnati, and statistically speaking, 80%, there were 100 confirmandi there, 80 of them will disappear from the church by the time they graduate from college. This is the reality of the church. This doesn't even scratch the surface of the problems we have interiorly in the church, where we have people who are hypocrites in the church, we have people who are sinners in the church, we have priests and bishops doing terrible things in the church. And the desire for each of us, I would hope, is to try and figure out how do we solve this problem. But the challenge is even deeper because more and more research is indicating it's not as if most people leave the church for a clear one reason, but it's a melding of different reasons where people just kind of end up outside of the church. In a study I recently read that kind of identified three main groups, the injured, those who have been hurt in some way, shape, or form by someone in the church or by the institutional church in some capacity. The drifters, those who just kind of wander away from the church, not for any particular reason, but just for lack of caring, mostly. And then there are the dissenters. There are those who disagree with church teaching on major, especially social issues. And it would be easy if we could address each one of those, but the reality of the study is that it's not one particular reason. They kind of mesh together. And so, yeah, we could say, let's be more hospitable when people come in. And that's a good and wonderful thing, and we should be. But 80% of your peers aren't coming to Mass. Won't ever get here. And if we go out on campus, and if we, you know, let's stand on the street corner and shout at the top of our lungs, it's probably going to drive people away all the more. It's enough to make you pull your hair out. If I had hair, I would pull it out. I mean, this is the reality. It is incredibly difficult. And you know it probably better than I, how difficult it is to be Catholic, to follow the Lord with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's increasingly difficult. But here's the good news. And there is always good news in Jesus. There is always hope in the gospel is that Jesus Christ came into this world to save each of you from sin and death. In the second reading from St. Paul, we get the basics, 
we get probably the clearest explanation in the New Testament of what we call the kerygma, which is the foundation of our faith. The kerygma is essentially this. God created the world, and it was good. He created man and woman in his image, and they sinned. And sin and death entered the world. But God so loved the world that he made a covenant with a chosen people, that he became one of us to save us from sin and death, and so that we could live in the fullness of that reality. But that story is not just Jesus' story, it is also your story. And it is that story that changes the world. It is your story shared with friends and family, shared with complete strangers at time, that changes the world. Your story of when you didn't know God or prioritize Him, that moment or that experience where you put Christ first and the new life that you are striving after and sharing with God. It is that story, friends, that you need to share and you need to tell. St. Paul, as we heard in that second reading, identifies himself as the least of the apostles. And yet after the person of Jesus Christ, I dare say no one in the history of humanity has had a bigger impact than Paul the Apostle. Why? Because he knew his life before Christ. He knew the Lord and he shared that fearlessly with anyone who would listen and even frankly those who wouldn't. He was stoned, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, all in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Because the reality is is that, yes, there are challenges in society. Yes, there are social problems. Yes, there are problems within the church. But that the reality is this, is that God saves the world through one man. And he desires to continue that salvific work through one man or one woman. And that is you. He doesn't go to the kings, to the rulers. He goes to the prophet Isaiah, who was a nobody, who was afraid, and yet he was the greatest of prophets. He goes to Saul, who was persecuting his church, and he was the greatest apostle. He goes to Peter, who identifies himself as a sinful man in the gospel, and he builds his church upon him. God comes to each of us today and begs us, go into the deep, proclaim my word. And it's not because he wants to take something from us. It's not because he wants to make our life miserable or difficult. It's because he desires to give us life immortal, life eternal, Life of complete joy and happiness and fulfillment, both on this side of heaven and with him forever in heaven. But we must go into the deep. And just like Peter, oftentimes the depths are the places we don't want to go. Peter did not want to get back to work. The guy had worked his tail off all night long, and here's this stranger coming and, first of all, taking his boat and sitting in it for a while, and then telling him, go out and fish some more. We've caught nothing, and yet what does he do? He follows. And is he perfect from that point forward? No, but he keeps following the Lord. And so it is for us. 
that we don't just go to the depths once and everything is footloose and fancy free after that. We have to keep going to the depths because when we do, our life has meaning, purpose, and it changes the world. We go to the depths every Sunday at Mass. We go to the depths of God's mercy and confession. We go to the depths when we pray. We go to the depths when we recognize, I can't do this on my own. I need friends. I need people in this journey. And I go to join a small group Bible study or I go on a retreat. I go to the depths every time I share my faith and my vulnerability with a friend or with a stranger. You are here. Thanks be to God. Every day, I pray for each and every one of you, and I thank God for you. You are necessary, and you are the solution to the problems. You are the future. You are the ones who will turn this ship around. God comes to each of you today, and he says, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Are you ready? And I pray you are to say with the prophet, Here I am. Send me.